This episode was recorded on the unceded lands of the Kaurna people of the Adelaide Plains. The History Trust of South Australia acknowledges elders past and present and the elders of the lands this podcast reaches. Hello and welcome to the History Festival podcast. I'm your host, Greg Mackey. The History Festival is an annual statewide event that explores the rich and deep history of South Australia. Held over 30 days in May, the History Festival explores the state's places and spaces, stories, collections and ideas that make us who we are today. One of South Australia's largest open access community events, the History Festival program features hundreds of events ranging from talks to tours, walks to workshops and exhibitions to special events. Events happen everywhere, in towns, cities and suburbs, in museums and libraries, in boats, trains and buses and mysterious buildings, on the street, by the beach and out in nature. Hear tales of the unusual and unknown, from amazing experts to local guides. With hundreds of events to choose from, there's something for curious minds and for all ages. Our theme in 2021 for the History Festival is change. From political change to social change, changing places, changing minds, changing hearts. Change for the better, change for the worse, on a big and a small scale and everything in between. The world around us is constantly undergoing change. Change is also a major thread that runs through the histories we share. We have also encouraged event organisers to plan events around this idea in any way they choose. So sit back and relax as we delve into some of the great stories and yarns that will make up the History Festival for 2021. Drowning, not waving. This is a tour for those who like things a little creepier. Join Carol Lefebvre, author of Quiet City, on a Sunday stroll through West Terrace Cemetery's sea of sun-bleached headstones. Many hold tragic tales of watery misadventure, drownings in the River Torrens, capsizings off Glenelg, and deaths in some of our state's most notorious shipwrecks. Our team joined Carol in the West Terrace Cemetery. A lot of Adelaideans will drive past it every day. It's a place with thousands and thousands of stories. It's also a place where not many people would go at midnight as it's perceived as scary, which I think they're right. I'm talking about the West Terrace Cemetery. As part of History Festival, we have a chance to discover a very unique window into the stories and the history of the West Terrace Cemetery and the people within it. Drowning Not Waving is a tour you can take here at the West Terrace Cemetery for those who like things a little creepier. To take us through what that tour means and the kind of things you can enjoy, Carol Lefebvre joins us, author of Quiet City, and from the SA Maritime Museum, Lyndall Lawson. Hello, ladies. Hello. Hello. Now, Carol, can you tell us a little bit about what we can expect from the tour Drowning Not Waving? The tour is going to take in stories that are extracted from my book, Quiet City, um, and they're also connected with the maritime history of South Australia because it's run in conjunction with the Maritime Museum. So they're going to focus on um, watery deaths, drownings, shipwrecks, that kind of thing. Have you got any stories about Adelaide City? Are there any drownings that have happened in the city of Adelaide? So many it would be hard to know where to start. And in the early days of Adelaide, um, we had a lot of people, not not just children but even adults, who, who hadn't been taught to swim. They might have been terrific horse, horsemen or women, couldn't swim. 
uh, in the hot weather, children would be drawn down to the Torrens and um, sadly many of them were lost there, including two little boys, the Etheridge brothers, who um, went down there one hot day and the younger brother went in and sank and the older brother jumped in to rescue him and even though some medical students walking along the banks of the Torrens tried to rescue them, and sadly they were both lost. Hmm. They, were, they came from Norwood, their, their father was a bootmaker in Norwood. That's a tough story, isn't no, it? No, it is. We're standing here in front of a memorial for Henry Holbrook. Now, he died in 1859 as one of the worst Australian maritime disasters. Carol, can you tell us a little bit about what happened there? The Admela was a huge story for South Australia. It happened in 1859, so the colony wasn't very old in those days. And everybody in it, their lives were all interconnected. Everybody knew somebody who went down basically in this ship. Also the details of it were quite horrific. I mean it left Adelaide on the 6th of August 1859 on a routine voyage. Somewhere um, after they'd cleared Kangaroo Island one of the, there were seven horses on board and one of the horses went down in its stall and uh, fell on its back and while they were trying to right it the captain changed course. Whether he did that to try to um, move the ship over so that it would be easy to get the horse up, I'd, I'm not really sure. But for some reason or another, some accident or miscalculation must have taken place and he never really righted his course. So um, early in the morning, the ship ran aground on um, the Carpenter's Reef down in the southeast and it, it broke up and it was a terribly dramatic thing in which well of course women and children were swept overboard only one woman survived the women and children just were all washed away but the survivors clung to the wreck or what was left of the wreck for almost a week in heavy seas and during that week there were sort of individual stories of heroism and, and terrible things like um, the cabin boy who volunteered to swim because they could see what lifeboats had been washed overboard and they could see them floating but they couldn't get to them and one of the the young cabin boy volunteered to swim out to a boat and the the, the Passengers were against it because they'd seen other people washed away and swept out to sea and drowned. But he insisted, no, he was a strong swimmer. So they tied a rope to him and it played out and they watched him struggling towards this boat. And then they tied another rope to it and another. And eventually, um, whoever was holding the rope dropped it. And just as this boy was about to reach the lifeboat, and then they had to watch him being swept out to sea. And of course, then they were not only in peril themselves, but overcome with dreadful grief. Um, they suffered terrible thirst. Some people threw themselves overboard because they were just so thirsty. Um, and the rescue, when it finally came, was, was very difficult because of the heavy seas. Sharks were circling, do I have to say more? It, it was truly terrible. But one of, the, one of the good news stories, in a way, was that one of these horses actually made it to shore, swam ashore. He was called the Barber. He was the horse that belonged to Hurtle Fisher, who was taking him to Melbourne for a big race. And Hurtle Fisher, although his brother George died on the Admela, Hurtle managed to survive. And when he got to shore, he walked this horse, the Barber, across country to Geelong and then by train to Melbourne and entered him in the race. And, of course, he was the emotional favourite to win. Everyone wanted this horse so much to win, but it, it, it came towards the last and it never won another race. So there you go. The horse was probably traumatised by its experience on the Admela. Can you tell me a little bit about Henry? Henry Holbrook was a young man, 25 or 26, and he worked for Faldings, 
The gruesome fact is that his was one of the few intact bodies that could be returned to Adelaide for burial. Um, other body parts were washed up on the shore and buried on the shore and um, sharks took care of a lot of the business. So, But um, I, I believe that there are some artefacts from the Admela in the Maritime Museum and perhaps Lyndall knows a little bit more about those. Lyndall, you're the senior curator of the SA Maritime Museum, which I must say is fantastic. What are the objects you have from this uh, wreck? Uh, we've got quite a lot from the Admela and it was actually reading Carol's story in, on the Admela in Quiet City that inspired me to um, develop the program with her. It's just such an amazing story. I don't know why someone hasn't um, filmed it, turned it into a feature film. So what we've got in our wrecked gallery, because there's 180, over 180 shipwrecks that line the South Australian coast, are um, objects relating to the rescue that happened with Edmella. So we've got a certificate um, of appreciation, bravery for Henry Smith, who was one of the key um, rescuers with um, Benjamin, I think, who was based at the lighthouse. We have carvings and cutlery from the vessel, which really speak volumes about how beautifully it was furnished and, you know, the the lovely um, conditions that first-class passengers certainly um, were exposed to. And, you know, we also have souvenirs. So when ships went down, people did salvage parts of them. They often, um, you know, turned bits of the wood into little carvings. And we have a little grease cup from the Edmella that was mounted in memory of those who died. Thanks, Lyndall. Now, also as part of the Drowning Not Waving Tour, you've got stories of simply bad luck. Can you share one of those with us, Carol? Well, I can tell you the story of a passenger who was supposed to be taking the Admela to Melbourne but missed the boat. And uh, when he heard that the boat had gone down, he wrote to his relatives in Scotland and said, you know, how lucky was I? Gosh, I survived. He took the next available boat and reached Melbourne and hooked up with the Royal Charter for his voyage to England. And the Royal Charter was a fabulous boat of its day, like the Queen Mary of its times. It went down in a terrific storm off the coast of Wales with sort of 450 deaths. Um, once again, it was a boat loaded with gold. And, um, and this poor chap and I suspect very strongly that it was uh, Robert Forsyth McGeorge and um, who's got this fabulous uh, monument in West Terrace Cemetery it's lovely obelisk here um, and he was a Scotsman who came out here and, and named the suburb of Erbray after his home place in Scotland and um, built the house where Waite House is, has now overbuilt on that site but he didn't escape his watery death, unfortunately, even though he missed the first boat, the second one caught him. It's just fate stepped in, I'm afraid. That is bad luck. It is. Now, I notice behind us there is a, a big tombstone uh, which is related to one of the first nine ships that come out in South Australia, the Afrikaan. Linda, what's the story behind that one? Yeah, so this is um, Mary Thomas's grave and um, several members of her family. She came out on the Afrikaan rather reluctantly, um, really of interest to us because we tell the story of those first nine ships in Bound for South Australia, our permanent gallery, and we have a lot of material related to the Afrikaans. So we have the captain, it was Captain Duff, we have his telescope on display, and we have items from the um, Thomas family, and we also have Dr Everard's surgical kit. So he was the surgeon on board, and they all had a, a surgeon on board in these highly regulated voyages. And it's one of the most popular 
items in our um, museum because there's ebony handled amputation saws and knives and trefines and tooth pullers so <laughs> it speaks volumes about you know what your fate was if you did get sick because there wasn't a lot you could do at that stage um if you got sick on board a ship very little you could do if you'd broken a limb and it needed to be amputated all you wanted was someone to chop it off really fast three minutes was a good surgeon and then there was a chance of infection and then you know we get into stories of bodies being committed to the deep and on all of these voyages people did die and it was a really really hard death because their relatives knew that there wouldn't be no place to commemorate them Um, they couldn't go back and pay their respects because they'd been committed to the deep fascinating stories if we want to find out more and be part of the tour, Drowning Not Waving, when is that on? All right, so if you want to book, go to the South Australian Maritime Museum website and we've got that listed as an event. You can book your tickets through Tribe Booking. We've got two tours on May the 16th and May the 30th. And visit the Maritime Museum, you know, pay, pay a visit to us once you've done the tour with Carol. Carol, Lindell, it's been fascinating. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Cheers. It's been a pleasure. The Drowning, Not Waving Tour, May 6, West Terrace Cemetery, presented in partnership with the South Australian Maritime Museum. For more details, simply go to historyfestival.sa.gov.au. This story, proudly brought to you by the History Festival Regional Partner, SA Power Networks, empowering South Australia since 1946. Yakka Motors, 1950s GMH dealer. This is a truly unique tour, as you'll see firsthand a private Holden collection, all in the surrounds of a 1950s-styled GMH dealership. The cars on display include a 1954 FJ Street Custom and a 1953 48-215 Restoration Project. The feature car is a 1954 FJ Special Sedan in an as-found condition sold new from Yakka. View displays of garage equipment including parts, tools, signs and posters of the era. Sit on soft lounges, browse through photos, books and magazines, stroll outside to view the oil shed, decommissioned CFS shed and servicing ramps, all surrounded by shady trees under which rests a rusty sedan, now garden art. Owner of this mock-up GMH dealership is Steve Hyde and he joins us now. Yakimoto's 1950 GMH dealer. This is a truly unique tour, as you'll see firsthand a private Holden collection, all in the surrounds of a 1950s-style GMH dealership. See what it was like to see a GMH dealership back in the 50s. That man joins us now, Steve Hyde. Steve, good morning. Good morning. Hey, how you going, Nancy? I'm going pretty good. Um, That's a great story, Steve. How did you come to have such a love of cars and history? Um, well, if we, I'll go back a little way. I won't go back too far. But um, Robin and I moved down from Alice, um, where we'd been living for 34 years, in around 2008. Now, I come down here to retire. We've always had an interest in old cars. And um, while we're on holidays in Victoria in 82, we came across a FJ Holden for sale and we bought that. And that started the love affair going again. Um, now, when we moved uh, down, I didn't have much to do, so I'd become involved with a lot of local groups and organisations. And at the same time, I was a keen reader of Don Roth books, who has done a complete story on the restoration and building of the Holden history. And one of the stories that got me was 
1953, little town of Brinkworth had a doctor, Dr Crosby, who they liked very much, and he had an old car. So the town decided to buy him a car, and they bought it from a little town called Yakka. Now, I didn't think Yakka would be big enough to have a Holden dealership, but apparently they did. And uh, in 1953, I think it was, they bought him this Holden. That got me interested, so I went over to Yakka on my bike to have a look. And we come across this old ruin or derelict building that actually was the um, originally Goss's Motor Garage, later become Yakka Motors. And uh, they were the Holden dealer from 1948. And um, we've gone to ruin, belonged to a local farmer. Um, it wasn't for sale when we um, came across the building. We thought about it for about six months. And then we decided we approached the real estate people and they found out that the local family owned it. And um, they were willing to sell it to me on the condition that it wasn't pulled down or destroyed in any way. And I told them, no, I was going to restore it to back to as it was as a garage. And um, I've been going over there for the last nine years, one day a week, <laughs> to restore it. And now we've got it at the stage where it's open to the public and they can come in and have a look at the cars we've got on show and um, about the history of um, the little country town of Yakka. Steve, that is a fantastic story. I think a lot of people see garages and sheds made to look like dealerships, but uh, very rare that you would actually have the chance to buy the original building and the original dealership. That's quite exactly. amazing. When you bought it, was it, what was it like inside? I know you said it was derelict, but was there anything left from the dealership inside um, still? No, local farmers, they just use it for storage. And, um, the white ants and age and water had got to it. Um, but I took a mate over once, and um, when I got in touch with the real estate agent, they took us over, and uh, we had a look around. It was honestly, it was in a terrible, terrible state. But sound-wise, it was still not bad condition. Anyhow, we decided to buy it, and um, ever since then, because I've built homes over the years, um, I started restoring and got it to where it is now. I think it's a remarkable skill you have. Do tell me, the FJ you bought in 1982. Is that in the dealership? Yeah, that's the street custom we have. Um, the other one that attracts a lot of attention is a one um, we, I call it the Rusty Relic, but it has found condition, been parked out in the paddock for 60 years. Um, I didn't know it when we bought the car, but I heard it from a friend told me about it and went and had a look, and I was talking to the owner, and he said, um, uh, we bought this car from Brinkworth secondhand, but it was actually sold new from Yakka. Unbelievable. So it's back where it belongs. <laughs> so that car got sold from the dealership you now have. That it's back in Yakka, yeah. And it, it's, it slept in a paddock for 40, 50 years. Oh, well, probably best part of 40, 50 years or something. <laughs> can you explain, Steve, what people can uh, see and experience when they walk through the dealership uh, as part of the History Festival? It's been multi-purpose because we have clubs and groups come over and they have meetings here. And uh, so we have a clear area that we keep clear for them to put their chairs and tables and stuff. But um, the old workshop, which was built, the original garage was built in 1926, it's basically like a garage. And I have two of the cars parked in there with the hoist and, you know, all the normal garage equipment floating around. I've introduced a lot of magazines and books and posters so people have something to look at and talk about. And the um, Rusty Relic sits in the new extension, which they had to add in 1948 to be able to sell the new Holden. So it sits out there in pride of place, and we have lounges everywhere. Um, and it sit out like an old um, sales room, uh, so people can sit around and read books and magazines and talk. A lot of talking goes on about the history of the garage and the cars 
and my life with Holden's, of course, but yeah. And of all the uh, great things you have in that dealership, what's your, your most favoured possession uh, in that dealership, Steve? Well, I've got to say it's the old rusty Holden. <laughs> it, it attracts more attention than the, the customised car. Um, you know, it's like a showroom car. It's, I'm still working on it. But, um, yeah, the old rusty relic attracts um, so much attention. It's been photographed so many times I've lost count. But we've had professional photographers come up and photograph the car. As it, I'm not going to restore it. Um, it's going to be left as it is, as a showroom feature, and it attracts more attention than um, you know, any customised, modified car. It's it's amazing. It really is. Oh, Steve, it sounds fantastic. Can you tell us when is the tour on for the History Festival, Steve? Um, History Month is May, yes. and it runs the whole of the month. Um, I'll be there every Sunday, but I'm registered, registered for the... Um, second and third Sunday through the History Festival of May. Yeah, it's open from I'm there till, I say number five, but I've had people stay on till for hours just talking after five <laughs> o'clock and that doesn't worry me at all. <laughs> I can imagine. I've got those dates down here, Steve, just checking on that second and third. So Sunday the 9th and Sunday the 16th of May, Viaca is the official tour, but uh, as, as you <laughs> said, you're there most Sundays and you're open to a chin wag and a cup of tea and a story. So, Steve, thank you for your time. The uh, display and the dealership sounds amazing, and uh, we're really happy that you're part of the History Festival. Thanks so much for your time. No, you're welcome. Thank you very much. The Yakka Motors 1950s GMH dealer tour, Sunday the 9th and 16th of May at Yakka. For more details, simply go to historyfestival.sa.gov.au.